0: To create a space where I can speak with intention and walk in my purpose. I hope that listeners resonate with something I say and are encouraged to also live purposefully. Hey everyone, this is Tania, and this is Nia on Purpose, my third episode. I am kind of nervous, a little overwhelmed, but also excited to be continuing my podcast, of course, and starting my third episode. Um, And I was kind of on the fence about what I wanted to talk about on my third episode. I had two options, one being living alone, moving to Nashville from Memphis, or um, grief and loss and the gifts of loss. I actually decided last minute today that I was going to do the grief option. And it came because of um, just how I'm feeling lately. Usually around this time, I feel kind of sad down in a little depressive state, not in a really great headspace. But this year, I thought I was good. I thought that I was gonna make it I was gonna be okay. I wasn't gonna be like super sad and isolated and aggressive by nature and things like that kind of like those emotional behaviors that I exhibit that I talked about in episode two I thought that maybe that wouldn't come about this year and it hasn't necessarily come about but I have noticed that um, things are kind of are kind of hard for those who do know me when my sister first passed away I used to have really bad dreams about um, her or someone dying someone Um, experiencing sexual assault, um, sometimes often the combination of those two experiences. And it was a lot. It was a lot to deal with. And it was hard to sleep at night or want to go to sleep because I knew a bad dream was coming. And so when those started again um, earlier this week or this past week, I was kind of like, dang, and it didn't click in my head actually until this morning when I was waking up from a bunch of like random crazy bad dreams and then I also experienced sleep paralysis and at that point in time I could not distinguish between reality and dream and it was really just a scary uh, it was a scary morning for me to say the least and I think after that I kind of just it really took a toll on my like emotional stability and so I decided to go with grief I thought maybe this will give me some peace maybe help me feel better after like recollecting some of the the things that I learned from my own experiences with grief and from a class I took and things like that. Um, And since I kind of already transitioned into the topic, I did want to talk about a class that I actually took specifically um, for grief. It was called Psychology of Grief and Loss. And when it was brought to my attention... I was, this was my second, let me think, let me think before I say this. So my sister passed away in May and then that was like finals were happening and and then that summer happened, of course, the following summer. And then my fall semester was really rough. My GPA, my semester GPA went from a 3.8 to a 2.7 in just a semester. And I still to this day think that's insane. That following spring is when I was introduced to the class, The Psychology of Grief and Loss. When it was brought to my attention, someone suggested that I take it. Um, She's actually my mentor, Sharon. Um, I appreciate her and love her so much. She has seen me transition into womanhood and experience all these grieving processes throughout my collegiate experience, my undergraduate experience at the University of Memphis. and So I will forever appreciate her and even forever appreciate her for introducing me to this class and suggesting that I take it and things like that. And so um, when she first suggested it, I looked at her kind of like she was crazy. Like, why would I want to take a class that's like specifically about grief when I'm like in like a peak grieving moment in like my life? Like And it's barely been six months since my sister passed away. Why would I want to take a class where I have to sit and listen to people talk about their grief and and, and look into my own grief and, and how I feel? And I was like, no, <laughs> I don't want to do that. Um, but, however, I ended up taking the class nonetheless. And I got some really great experiences out of it, actually. By the end of it, I had a whole support group Um, that I never thought I could. It was kind of like going to um, group therapy every week, but also like with a learning component. Um, And so I love that class. It also gave me the the ability to not only define what grief is, but like understand it for myself. And the same with loss. I did a quick little Google search of what grief is. Um, It says that it's a noun, um, but it's deep sorrow, especially that caused by someone's death. I sat here with myself looking through like my old textbooks because I still have my textbooks from the class, um, which um, Dr. Robert Nehmeyer actually edited and wrote in both of those books. Um, Shout out to him (laughs) as well. But after like my experiences in that class and then reading this very generic Google definition of grief, it was really interesting to see that because I don't think that grief is necessarily always caused by someone's death. Um, I will say mine is typically or obviously caused by someone's death, but grief can happen in in, a, in many ways, and I'll get into how grief can happen in many ways and, and what loss looks like in those many ways after um, I talk about my sister's death. I realize that I've been on this podcast talking about the fact that my sister is no longer with us, and I haven't mentioned or told the story, I guess, of how she passed away and and how that came about. This had to be, like, maybe a month, a month and a half or so before she passed away. But, one, we were planning for our our 20th birthday. Um, Me and my sister were notorious for um, having some fun parties in college. And so we were planning for our 20th birthday. We were going to go all out, you know, get our hair done, get our makeup done, get some cute little dresses, you know, get the whole baddie experience for our birthday. And, um, we were both on board, but about a month and a half out, my sister like kept getting sick and it was honestly annoying. It was so annoying. I know that is selfish of me to say, but it was so annoying. She would get sick and then she wouldn't want to do anything. And then maybe like a month, three to four weeks, Um, Before she passed away, she also started complaining of chest pains. And so at that point, I'm like, girl, we need some immunity boosting, vitamins. We need to get in the gym. We need to get active and, you know, get you in gear and get you ready for this party because you are not missing this party. Like we made a playlist for it. We, of course, had like, you know, um, plans for like food and beverages and things like that. And so I was kind of just like, no, we're, we're going to figure this out. And so finally, maybe like at this point, it was probably like three weeks before she passed away. She finally went to see the um, the uh, the Lord have mercy. What's it called? The um, the health center on our campus at the University of Memphis. And they told her that she had anxiety. And when she came back and told me that that they suggested that her chest pains were stemmed from anxiety, I was like, absolutely not. I don't buy it. Um, And so, if you know me, I have dealt with anxiety and panic attacks probably since, like, maybe my junior year of high school, maybe my senior year. I can't really remember when they started. But I used to have major panic attacks, quite embarrassingly. And um, I was like, that's not... Nothing that she's experiences that she's experiencing looks like what anxiety looks like. Now, granted, I will say that was very tunnel vision of me, and everyone experiences things differently. But I just was, I just didn't buy it. I was just like, they just slapped a band aid on this, but whatever. She, you know, continued to like. Obviously, like little did we know, she continued to get worse, and she then got a really bad cold again. And this was probably like a week before she passed away. And so my mom came down to take care of Denise. She noticed, she also noticed that Denise was getting sick and staying sick a lot and and having a hard time. And at this point, my sister was also very unwilling to go out, um, very unwilling to go to class she would say that her chest pains hurt so bad that um it made it she she had a hard time breathing even walking to class every day she started skipping class because it just she couldn't she couldn't do it and me being selfish and naive and and oblivious to what was truly going on I was mad at her I was angry and frustrated with her like why are you not going to class why are you not living your life we are nearly 20, we're so young, we have such a, like, huge life before us, like, come on, like, let's, let's, let's get out there and live, but she was turning down, like, events, um, she was in a sorority, Tau Beta Sigma, and she wasn't going to events, and she was laying in the bed all day, and it was just, it was just so frustrating, and so then my mom came, and I remember I was getting ready for our birthday party, and, Denise was in the bed and she was like yeah I'm not going and so that's why I also said that in my last podcast that um, my last episode that I celebrated my 20th birthday by myself and so she was not well and we just didn't know to to the severity of it my birthday is now here Um, our birthday is now here and I go off and I celebrate and come back home mom's still there taking care of her and that was that. The next day, April 30th, um, is when we actually took my sister to the hospital. Um, it had gotten terrible overnight, it seemed. Um, so, yes, she had the chest pains. Yes, she was sick. We thought with some over-the-counter medicine, she'd be fine. Back to normal in no time. The night um, she we took her to the ER, she was pretty hysterical and she was saying that she couldn't feel her legs she was scared she was crying um me and my boyfriend were in my bedroom at the time and my mom came in and she was like telling him that he needed to get get some clothes on and get um my sister to the car he needed to carry her um he was a pretty big guy so um no no issue me and tenise are very small women very petite um so he was like she was like come on, let's go. We got to get her to the ER right now. And so we get to the ER. We wait for about 30 minutes. We finally, you know, got her got her back. And I remember I was at the time studying for an oral comp. Well, not studying, but like practicing for an oral comp presentation um, the next day. Because like I said, finals were happening. She went back and they did a bunch of like blood work, did a bunch of tests, some x-rays, stuff like that, just just to kind of figure out what was going on with her. And I think maybe like an hour had went by or something. I don't know at this time. Some time had went by and the doctor finally came back in. I will never forget what he looked like. He was a redhead, curly, blue eyed, tall guy, um, very sweet. um, Kinda like, not necessarily nonchalant, but um, very encouraging of, oh, this isn't a big deal. Um, And so we found out that she had blood clots in her lungs. Um, And we were just like, what? Like, this was like such a foreign subject to us, like blood clots. Like, how how did those get there? Like, where did they come from? I remember that at that time, my sister was so relieved to hear that it was something legitimately wrong with her. And she just grabbed my hand. And me and my sister are not, like, very physical. We didn't hug. We didn't, like touch a lot like or nothing like that and when she held my hand I just knew like how relieved she was to know that something was wrong but we're gonna fix it and so immediately they um checked her in or whatever um to the hospital um she immediately went to the ICU for you know extra care um she did have blood clots in her lungs the doctor did assure us that it was okay she was going to be put on blood thinners and be on her way but um that was not the case um i guess um you know there were just some other probably maybe underlying factors that we were yet to know of that made it even harder on her body and things like that but she did have also a cold she was fighting a cold and so that also made it harder Um, on her oxygen levels and things like that. Um, but she stayed in the hospital for the entirety of the rest of her life. She ended up having multiple, like, just problems. Like, even with the... She never walked again. Um, some days I... Like, it just is so crazy how how it progressed so seemingly quickly. I remember there were days where she couldn't eat on her own. Um, like I said, she never walked again. She never got out of the bed. Um, and she, um, it broke my heart when they put her on a ventilator because I was like, what in the world, (laughs) what in the world is this for? Like, we didn't even tell a lot of people that my sister was even in the hospital because we didn't think it was that big of a deal. She was on the ventilator for probably like day four, day five. And those were the worst. It was hard to see her like that. And I would cut, cut my, my visit short, to be honest with you. Um, but I was working on trying to do her finals, do my finals. And it seemed like all, like, the entire family was just arguing and arguing and arguing. Um, her heart rate was consistently at, like, 140 for, like, as far as we know, for seven days straight. I only say for we know because we don't know how long her heart was overworking itself to compensate for the lack of oxygen that she was receiving her oxygen levels were always super low and they said when her um heart rate gets below 100 we will transfer out of the um, ICU she'll go into a regular room she'll be in a better condition um and then she'll be able to go home her heart rate dropped to below 100 the day before she passed away And I remember she was so happy. I remember me, um, one of my current friends and coworkers, and my brother were planning to, like, bring a cake to the hospital since she really didn't get to celebrate her birthday. And the next day, it spiked right back up. I actually think she wasn't able to go home that day. And that day is the day that, like, I feel like it, it was just, like, everything hit the fan. Like, nobody was getting along. We were all fighting. About dumb stuff that didn't matter but it was just like we were all stressed we were all hungry tired me and my brother had exams going on my parents like don't live here in Memphis and have jobs so I'm sure that was of an additional stress and it sucked seeing like our sister and my parents daughter like in a hospital bed like struggling to breathe on a daily like On a daily basis, like hourly basis. I think it had just gotten to us at that point. So like I said, that was at the end of the semester. So I was already like packing up. Me and my brother were already packing up our belongings. We both stayed on campus in the apartments. We were packing up our belongings. I was packing up my sisters too. Because obviously she wouldn't be able to pack up for for the time for move move out. And I remember on the day that she passed away, um, my a friend that I was telling you about, um, uh, came and was like, he called me and he was like, hey, your mom just called me and said that I need to bring you and Javon to the hospital. And I was like, okay, like why well, we gotta go right now, but okay. And I called my mom cause I was like, hey, like you want us to come to the hospital? And she was like, yes, please. Like just come whole time. Funny. I had on one of my sister's t-shirts at the time. And I just remember thinking on the way to the hospital, like, my sister is gonna be so mad at me when she sees that I'm wearing her clothes. Um, and so when um, my friend dropped us off at the hospital, this lady greeted me and my brother at the at the front doors of the hospital. Red flag number two, to be honest. I'm like, who is this lady, and why does she want to know? what I'm majoring in in school and why is she trying to get to know me like just take me to my sister take me to my parents don't remember her name don't even remember what she looks like it was just a a blur she took us to this like family room and little did I know that is where they tell families or they give families time to grieve their um lost one and so my mom sat us down my dad was very quiet um my grandparents were in the room and then um Two, uh, uh, two other family members were in the room, and I was kind of like, why in the world are they here? Who are they, and why are they here? But anyways, um, they were all in the room, and my mom told us to sit down. It was ve- very um, mellow in the room. That's the only word that comes to my mind right now, but it was very mellow in the room. I remember seeing the Bible verse, Joshua 1, 9, which essentially says, You are not alone on the wall in a frame. And my mom proceeds to tell us, like, kind of like how a doctor would tell us. Like, your sister's left chamber of her heart stopped. And they had to rush her to surgery. Um, they put a, a pacemaker in from there. Um, her heart rejected the pacemaker. And, and the other side of her heart stopped. And she was never saying, like, your sister passed away. She was just like... Going, like, through all of these, like, for some reason, professional, I guess, terminology um, in in explaining how my sister passed away. And so I remember just sitting there thinking, like, I'm getting honestly very angry with my mom. Um, I'm getting very, very angry. And I was just like, Mom, just say it. Just say it. And then she told us that my sister died. And... I remember my brother's shoe flew across the room. He was very, very angry. He said some um, explicit language in the room to my mom. And I remember just like my dad broke down again. And other than that, everything was very much so a blur. And So many people showed up to the hospital. So many people were calling me. And I'm like, I just found out. How do y'all already know? Um, But, you know, that's how small towns work. Um, And so, yeah. um, I remember we were in the hospital for hours. It felt like we did this large, major prayer circle um, which I admire looking back on now, like just to know how many people really came there and how many people really loved my sister. To simply drive all the way to Memphis to be in a part of a prayer circle in the middle of a hospital after my sister had already passed away, it was just insane. But I remember asking my mom, like, what do we do now? Like, well, what do we do now? I, have, I had no idea, like, do we go home? Do we stay here? Do we plan our funeral? Do we cry some more? Do we gather her belongings? I had no idea. I This is one of my first major experiences with loss. Um, and And I truly had no idea what to do. So of course, after she passed away, we planned the funeral and things of that nature and informed. People that needed to know within the university, um, her, the job that she had lined up for the summer. We were both working together um, in the residence life office on our campus. And so just informing everybody, like, hey, Tanisha's passed away, and, and, and those things. So all of those things happened. Um, but yeah, um, after um, her funeral and all that, um, I kind of decided to jump back into work. So I went back to Memphis after my sister passed away, um, like, the next week. And so I stayed a week at home, and then that following week, I went back to the University of Memphis. I went back to my job, and I kind of just took on a lot of, of tasks to kind of keep my mind off of things. Literally, from that time to now, I have learned so much about grief, how we grieve, um, different types of grief, different types of loss, um, and things like that. And I think that sometimes when you think about the grieving process, we can also acknowledge that the grieving process for some people can start before a person passes away. And that could be like a terminally ill cancer patient. They may know that they have two months to live beforehand and mentally prepare themselves for that grieving process and start grieving that person while they're still alive. Um, and that's another reason why I had an issue with that with that, um, that definition that I talked about earlier, because the grieving process can very much so happen while someone is alive. The grieving process can also happen um, amongst friendships. That person may still be alive, but maybe y'all are no longer friends or you're not in a relationship anymore. I um, mean, you have to grieve the the loss of a friendship or the loss of a relationship, the loss of a husband, the loss of a best friend or whatever the case may be. I've learned all of these things since that grief is um very um ambiguous. It's very ambiguous and sometimes we often fail to realize that and I think that I have learned all the different types of losses that I've experienced solely because of that. Um but um in the same sense I will say that I definitely think that there are gifts of loss. Um and what I mean by gifts of loss I think that God one, he knows, he is all-knowing. He knows when and how long we're going to have somebody in our life. He knows when their, when their time on this earth is coming to an end. But he also knows that there will be other people, other life events, other things that happen to us that appear as gifts from that loss. And I'm not saying I I hate saying it in this way because I I still feel like a a hard time understanding it this way. Um, And I'm sure anybody that's new to um, grieving or recently lost someone may like hate on me for saying this. But I think God places people and things in our lives to help us get through those processes those grieving processes, and and that in itself is a gift of loss, a gift from loss, and so some of my gifts from loss are my girl best friends. I, like I said, went back to work pretty much right after my sister passed away, and I met six? Is it six of us? Seven of us? Lord have mercy. I met a group of girls that um, we all ended up working together, Um, until this day, we're still the best of friends. I think that God placed them in my life at that time to be a, a major part of my support system um, and i'm sure even to this day i don't even know if they know how much they mean to me or that, that or that i call them um gifts from my my loss of my sister and so before my sister passed away um we didn't really have that many girlfriends we had a couple but not that many It was really weird after she passed away, like the idea of making new friends, let alone making girlfriends, because I already had a a built in best friend my entire life, literally from womb, (laughs) from birth. Um, And so that was definitely a weird concept for me to kind of grasp, creating friendships with girls like why? (laughs) But um, nonetheless, I, I met all of them and they truly helped me. Along the way, in some form or fashion, each one of them reminded me of my sister in some way. I also don't know if they, they knew that. In a, in a very specific way, very specific to their personality traits and those characteristics that they hold, they definitely reminded me of my sister in a way. And I think that that also carried me through. And so I think that we are often given people, again, to support us, even, even if they don't even know it quite yet. And as I said earlier, there are many different types of losses that I realized that I experienced or, or had to grieve because of my, the loss of my sister. And one of them was loss of like my identity, my self-identity. I definitely went through a crisis. I didn't know who I was without my sister. Am I still technically a twin? Will people still call me twin? It was just so weird, because it was always two of us, and that was a part of my identity, being, I guess, a twosome, and I didn't know how to operate without that, and I also kind of think, like, a bit of loss of sanity. After my sister passed away, I went through some crazy experiences. I don't know how many people know this, especially those in my family that are probably going to listen to this episode, but I began to take on some peculiar activities. I did dabble with Adderall pretty frequently to help myself stay up at night because I would have nightmares. I started drinking a ton. Now I think honestly, to be completely honest with anyone listening and with myself, when you're in college, you you sometimes experience that that enjoyment of like drinking and going out and partying and stuff like that, but I definitely think I took it to the next level trying to drink to to black out so that you don't have any dreams at night, drinking so that like you know you don't have to feel anything else, and it really took a toll I think on on my life and my experiences. Um, I ended up finding out that Adderall affects your thyroid negatively if you have issues with your thyroid, and so that was a, a lesson I kind of had to learn and and stop popping some freaking Adderall because why are you even doing that? There's different co- coping mechanisms that we can take advantage of that I guess I just wasn't willing and ready and open to to do, but it's all part of everyone's grieving process. Every Everyone's grieving process looks different. And then another loss that I feel like I experienced from losing my sister was, I don't know how to say this, maybe like my relationship with God or maybe my loss my uh of my relationship with religion um I was very 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 (laughs) angry with God for a long time like you knew this would happen you planned this all along you let my sister and I be born create this bond develop loved ones and you still took her away from me and so in my mind I'm like I got beef with God and uh, I don't know how he gonna fix this one. I struggle a lot with where I stand. I know God is real. I, I love him. Um, I do trust him now. Um, I do try my best to put all my worries into him and take them away from myself. Um, but I would be dishonest with myself if, if I said that I don't completely understand my relationship with Christianity or religion as a whole. Since losing my sister, and I think that that's all a part of his plan. I mean, I'll figure it out one day, and it's just another 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 loss I've experienced since losing my sister. It's definitely a learning process, and I think that over the time I have, I have actually grieved. Um, a lot of times, people are like, "Have you really grieved your sister?" Um, I went through so many different therapists. Um, I've had so many life experiences that like have smacked me in the face quite literally and told me to get get my stuff together and I think I'm still grieving. I don't think the grieving process ever ends. Um I tell people all the time, especially people that are new to losing a loved one that the grieving process is not finite. It's not straightforward. It's cyclical, never ending. It has its ups and downs, it has its highs and lows, and that's okay. You will learn to to just roll with the punches, go with the flow, and and continuing to live. And so I think that I have ran my mouth long enough on this episode, and if I think of something else, I can always add it into another episode or talk more about it. There is no strict handbook on what this podcast looks like or what every episode looks like and things like that. But I do want to leave. Um, I try to kind of like end each podcast with a thinking point or something of that nature. But um, I do want to point out before I go that every loss needs validation. And I say that because I think that we oftentimes think that loss is just people. But as we know, losses are pets. Loss is friendships of people that are still on this earth. Loss is moving so far away from your family that you barely get to see them loss is is again loss and both grief are ambiguous um, and we can not determine what people experience as a loss or what people grieve and so just be kind to yourself when you find yourself in a in a low point because of maybe a loss of your own don't ever think that your loss is less important than anyone else's there is no mediocre loss there is no mediocre grief and I just want you guys to continue to again give yourself grace I talked about it a lot in my last my last episode I believe but give yourself that grace and stay strong this has been episode three of Neon on Purpose thank you so much for listening and I hope to see some listeners back again next time again for listening to Nia On Purpose. My goal is always to reach a new individual and encourage the spread of love, hope, compassion, and peace. I hope I succeeded, and I hope y'all come back for more. Be sure to support me in any way you see fit, and tune in next time. And remember, it was always on purpose.